Everyone dreams about living an uncommon life, but how we define that dream is very different for each of us. And for most, it's a lifelong pursuit. Welcome to the Uncommon Life Project Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living that life or enjoying the journey to get there. We're going to also give you some tools, tricks, and tips for starting or accelerating your own efforts to live an uncommon life, a life worth celebrating and savoring. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. Welcome everybody, this is Philip Ramsey. And I'm Brian Dewhurst. We're coming at you with another podcast of the Uncommon Life Project. Thank you so much. Let's call her, let's call her Frankie today. Frankie today. Thank you for the intro, Frankie. I really appreciated it. Um, we have a great uh, show for you today with Caleb Walsh, one of my close friends. We met, I'd say, nine, ten years ago. Yeah, nine or ten a, years ago. Yeah, at an investment conference. And uh, I can't wait for you just to unpack some of the knowledge that he's found throughout the years. And I really think that this is going to help some of our listeners who are sitting at a desk job move forward to kind of cast a bigger vision than even they think now. So. Yeah, so let me rattle off Caleb's bio and we'll jump in. Totally. So Caleb is a leading authority in affordable housing with portfolios spanning over 1,500 units in six states. And he has not been out this for 25 years. He <laughs> resides in Tampa, Florida with his wife, Denise, and their two children, Lincoln and Noel. He's an economy of scale advocate, which we are as well. And his story entail, uh, his story, uh, just involves jumping from five units to 500 units in a short amount of time. And by units, we're meaning properties or, or yep. doors. And um, so his story is seen on social media, tracked uh, all over the web with the theme, 500 Doors. So welcome, welcome, Caleb Walsh. Thank you for having me on, guys. This is great. Oh, absolutely. All right, let's just jump right in like we always do. And a guy like you never really had a desk job. Am I right? <laughs> oh, I had plenty of them. <laughs> I, I, I probably had one in many different roles, you know, every, oh man, you know, I had everything from a sales job to just a little customer service rep. Um, you know, I, I've had roles where my entire, my entire job existed where they actually uh, would be the angry customers that would call in. Uh, and that's all I got to talk with. So uh, <laughs> you yeah. learn to keep a smile on your face or it really doesn't work. <laughs> totally. And so did you always have this dream of owning many real estate properties or did this just come in the last couple of years? It's actually interesting. The answer is no. <laughs> the answer is I think I had a more idealistic um, kind of like, oh, you know, you kind of grow up and everybody in America wants to be a rock star, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, or some version of that. And I think growing up through the teen years, I had some version of that. My dad was a contractor. I did see some, you know, firsthand, I'd see business transactions go on at a young age. But really, I had that realization about those transactions and the education I was getting through that later. Mm -hmm. um, you know, growing up, I honestly, it was, it was kind of a joke. I never wanted to have anything to do with, uh, anything my parents had going on business wise, <laughs> anything, you know, you know, no, 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 you know, yeah. the, uh, you had a dream, but, um, but no, I really, um, I, it was at a point I, I, I basically think a breaking point where I realized it was necessity for me to have this many properties. Interesting. Okay. Walk us through that, that trigger point. Okay. And where were you at the time? Like, were you at home? Were you at a desk <laughs> job? Yeah. So, so, so 
it started out where I had recently got married and I was, you know, you, you, you pitch the girl of your dreams on the life of her dream. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and then uh, on the other side of happily ever after you feel out, you figure out you got to pay the bills. And <laughs> <laughs> Those things keep coming. They every keep month. Coming. I don't understand. Every month. Month. Ah, it's like this cyclical nature of life thing. I don't know what it is, but no. And so I, I was um, venturing in real estate. I was attempting to flip homes. And this is shortly thereafter the economic meltdown, right? Mm -hmm. So I was in Florida at the time. And in Florida, um, between Florida and Las Vegas, it was the epicenter for a lot of the you know, drastic foreclosure sure. uh, happenings that happen in, in mass scale. So what I was doing, uh, you know, I had attended all those fun workshops and all those things where they say, one, two, three, passive income, you've got it. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I was on that bandwagon and I was attempting to flip homes, mm -hmm. which I would here or there. But then I found out very quickly, it wasn't as one, two, three, as they said, yeah. uh, you know, all those seminar guys, different guys, you attend a three week weekend, a three day weekend or something of that nature. And I found myself attempting to flip properties and they would always take three to four months longer than I thought it would take to flip. And maybe a little bit more money than you thought too. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because what ends up happening when you're waiting that long, uh, basically it's on credit cards. It's on uh, the, they had the, uh, they had two programs. I remember Lowe's and Home Depot had a six month and one had an 18 month no pay um, the program where you, it was, it was basically like you didn't get any interest during that wait time, but if you didn't pay it off before then it compounded and you got yeah. hit, yeah. You, you got smacked in the face pretty hard. You're playing so, the options real estate game. If you yeah. don't know about options, <laughs> exactly. it, you'll understand it then. I was losing my options really fast. <laughs> so, so and, and at that point, so you're trying to hold up such a, an amount of sure. debt. Sure. Yeah. And, and this is where I tell people oftentimes that debt was using me. I wasn't using debt. Like it was not uh, um, me infinitely using leverage to obtain wealth. This was, I was ensuring I would yeah. have it. <laughs> you were enslaved. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Newly married, newly married and slowly yeah. up against this time clock of pressure, stress. Sheesh. Wow. Yes. Okay. We can go into that, but let's yeah. keep going. So, so it continues on where, you know, my wife and I were doing the HGTV thing where you're, uh, you, you see everybody, the flip or the flop, where they, they go in and they take this ugly house, they make it this mansion, it, they, they flip it, they make $150,000, it just looks all so marvelous. And then somewhere in the middle, I found out, or we found out rather, that while we're living in this like half-renovated home, my wife is pregnant. Oh, wow. And that's, so, so we had some compounding reality, that put the hammer down. Because uh, now you realize, oh, wow, I'm, we're, we're gaining dependence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. so, and so here we are. We're in um, a half-renovated home, which was supposed to be a flip. You know, you're real flexible when you're just a couple. You feel yeah. like, oh, yeah, you know, this is, you know, we're renovating this. She's doing this. And now she can't even handle paint fumes. Mm. It's Reno a, it's, renovation and morning sickness never seem to go well together. No, no. It really, it doesn't work out so well. And there's actually, there's even a little bit more to it. And this is, funny <laughs> when we've talk, I, I'm remembering this now, but when we went off, when we were talking offline, I remembered I didn't mention this. Basically, during that time, there was a very 
famous court case happening in the town where I was trying to flip huh. properties. And it put a lot of racial tensions, crime areas at play in a way that it, it, it just made it next to impossible to flip properties. Mm-hmm. And so between that, it, it basically every day it compounded the problems that were building the debt, the payments. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I remember the city, uh, you know, I, I had thought, wow, there's all these historic properties that you can renovate. They're, they're in these historic areas. You fix them up. They're all antique They're gorgeous. They look at like something out of restoration hardware. And then you find out very quickly that those are the worst places to put properties. Huh. Because yeah. The city gives you a litmus test and says, um, just throwing this out there, you have to restore it to this 1911 code. You have to... Uh, awesome. That doesn't yeah, sound expensive at all. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I have learned a lot of lessons in that regard. And that's where I started. Okay. So it seems like it starts buckling down a little bit on you and Denise because now you're pregnant. So now you're not only fighting the credit card time crunch, you're fighting like a human being being made inside your wife. Right. So (laughs) where did you go to? Where did you turn? Did you turn to? And real quick, you you had a day job too, right? So this is really where I had to stop attempting the day job thing. Mm -hmm. I had to stop attempting the entrepreneurial thing and jump full head on you know, I was half doing the side job, entrepreneurial thing. This was commitment now. Now we're, we're You're going trading to- your time for your money at this point. You're going back to this nine to cubicle five. Cubicle of doom. You okay. Okay. Yeah. The cubicle of <laughs> well, doom. I think you know, this is an important point because, you know, Phil, we meet with a lot of people and yeah. they, they're making good income. They have an idea and they just want to dip that toe in. Mm-hmm. Right. And once you dip that toe in, you don't want it to ever come out. Right. But you're also not going to be successful because you're just not all in. So I think it's, I think you've seen the power of that. So keep going. It is. It's actually a very hard thing because the more and more I do, I realize focus is power. And so uh, what I had and I found myself in was there were about, um, I I believe I got up at that time, I'm thinking five, four or five properties right in there that I couldn't flip that for whatever reason, locally, economically, whatever happened, and I'm strapped, I'm held down with these properties, right? Mm -hmm. Like I said, with credit cards, everything else. And these properties were, I was not able to flip, and it forced me into a position where I I really had to completely leave all these dreams of real estate, entrepreneurial things, and really just commit to a daily job. I, I was trading my hours in, I was you know, I, I remember I had to make 88 outbound calls a day um, wow. just to man- keep a maintained level. I mean, that's not the sales you have to make. That's not the, and, and, you know, I was doing that because the quickest thing to jump into when you need money really fast is a sales job, right? You, you, sure. you know, okay, you jump in, you, you, here's your base, but then you can attempt to get um, commissions on top of that. And so being the energetic, motivated guy I was, I was like, all right, we're going to do some sales. We're going to get ourselves out of this pay all this debt down, maybe flip these homes when the economy comes back up. And, <laughs> oh, wasn't that, uh, that, that was, uh, <laughs> we, we had them for a while still. <laughs> so when you, I, I imagine, like I kind of know you differently than I think probably Brian does, but you're a pretty yeah. energetic guy. You even mentioned it there. So when you go back to the cumicle of doom, I have a feeling that you thought like this was the responsible thing to do. I'm going to yes. provide for my wife now yes. uh, newly, Newly, 
I had a son coming. Pregnant, out. yeah, newly pregnant wife. So I feel like you probably had a pretty good attitude walking in the cubicle of doom. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, no, you're you're right. In fact, I remember. It's funny you mentioned that because I remember as I'm walking in. You know, it's you're the new guy. You're walking in. It literally was a massive, expansive room of just these great cubicles and like chipmunks. You'd see the little heads popping up. <laughs> Groundhog's Day, literally yeah. Groundhog Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was that you could pick in a hammer, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> But basically what I saw was I realized instantly all these discouraged faces popping up. And I, I, I remember thinking as I walked in, my first reaction was this is where dreams go to die. Wow. Wow. And, Which and, is your first dose of reality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because, because you've got managers over you, especially when you're in a, your first 90 days, you got managers standing over you, ensuring your performance. And so it just... Mm -hmm. Even the mental exhaustion you experience, yeah. there's no more creative thinking happening. Right. There's no like, oh, maybe if I created this side business or this side hustle that I could, it, it, it's not even there. You're so just trying to survive. Yeah. yeah, that's a great survival mentality, especially when you have debt outside of those walls exactly. who are bringing you down. So, so you've it got needs so much more to keep your job at that point. So yeah. what did you do with these properties? You're, you're hustling during the day. Yep. Hustling during the day. And this goes on, this goes on for a while. It's not like one, two, three. Like I was, you know, six, seven, eight months. I'm in these, oh. I'm in one of these jobs and it's just over and over. And I, I'd be attempting side uh, things on the side to, you know, maybe a, pick up a little night job at a hotel doing the receptionist uh, role, wow. you know, just a little something I'd work. Wow. There was actually um, at one time period where I actually was working, I was doing overnights and then I would do another job during the day. And, and, oh my. Uh, yeah, and I remember somebody asking, when, are, when did you sleep? And I said, hey, you know, we'll, we'll work that out. These are just fine details. Um, <laughs> but, but the thing is, not only did I have the basic living expenses we have in America, I had these homes and credit cards and things. Yeah. And I remember I was like, oh, you know, and I think of it as the most damaging time period in my life um, financially. Because I was doing a good thing, I was being responsible, but because I had gone out a little bit, you know, I had done a couple homes, I had done a little bit, I was retracting now. This yep, was, yep. this was, I'm on, a, I'm on the operating table level. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I mean, I, I remember I was cutting up credit cards at some stage, you know, like I, just in case I, you know, pay the balances down far enough, I don't want to, I don't want to use them, you know? Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so... So that, that's where I found myself. You're in the cubicle of doom. When was the point when you're like, nope, I can't do it anymore? Or was it Denise yep. telling you like, nope, I can't do this anymore? Well, like, we always gonna... had, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I knew that would, one would follow the other or what? No, <laughs> but didn't want that day to come. So no, what I found is we were always having discussions. But again, I go back to that mental exhaustion you have when you are trading your hours in, your mm -hmm. life hours the mental exhaustion, the creativity is not there. And so we had, it's, you know, everybody makes New Year's resolutions, right? So people make New Year's resolutions. It's typically a diet. It's typically weight loss. It's typically something, sometimes financial. And we had had the opportunity where family members got together. I was working a sales job again, different. This was in advertising now. Um, and we had an opportunity um, over Christmas, New Year's, that time period there, companies give you off naturally. And family got together in uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. A lot of family members, they all kind of chipped in, rented a cabin. 
and for a very short window of time, this is how powerful it is to have a pause, but for, for a very short window of time, Denise and I had what felt like a very long time, but it probably was only the matter of an hour or two or three to think. Mm. And we, we knew we had to do something, or you could see the trajectory of our lives just continuing. Oh, maybe we get a little bonus or we get a little advance. And now I get a little bit higher in corporate America, but still I'd be just above, uh, you know, water. And so we, we had time to think and we said, uh, all right, what, what's working? What, what do we have? All right, here's our finances. Here's our debt. Here's our liabilities. What, what do we actually have here? And I said, man, you know, we still have those funny four or five uh, rental houses that were supposed to be flips. So they're all over leveraged, which means any income coming out of them isn't a lot. I, I think it was eight or $900 total, like total. Mm-hmm. And everything else was over leverage. It may not have been that much. I bet if Denise was standing here, she'd be like, yeah, $500, not even <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah, barely half of that. Um, and so, and so, you know, so we got the, something that's not enough income to live off of, not even close. It's just was a little kind of a little bit of something. Teaser. Just a yeah, teaser. teaser, teaser. But the funny thing was, is they, all the time, I'm working these day jobs, I'm doing side hustles, night jobs, everything I can do just to stay above the debt cycle. They kept paying, right? Oh. Like the rental properties, these income properties were paying this little, little tidbit that I turned to Denise and I said, you know, the only stinking things that have worked consistently without me just, you know, willing it to happen <laughs> yeah. has been these rental, rental properties. They don't make a lot of money, but what if we had 30 of them? And then he's like, yeah, how are we going to get 30 of them? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. No, that's not important. Those yeah, are just yeah. details again, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes. And so, so that's where, so we're there. It's a New Year's. It's a New Year's. And we're, we're, people are making resolutions, blah, blah, blah. And I said, we have got to get a multifamily property. Mm. We have got to get a multifamily property. We do that. And that will allow me to quit the day job. And we, you know, I'll do every role, I'll fix things, I'll rent things, I'll knock on doors, I'll clean out units, whatever that means, I'll do it because we'll have enough skill to handle the income. Now, I had never done anything quite like that before. I had done it on very micro levels, but I just saw that if you could, man, we could have a building, think about that. I mean, we could even move into the building. There was all sorts of ideas flowing, right? You know, all within one (laughs) unit, now we don't have to pay rent, now we do this. Yeah. So at at this point, one of our, where it really hit home is one of our tenants moved out of the homes and we were met with a vacancy. So we were like, heck, why are we paying rent? Let's move in. There's still a mortgage payment on that property. Let's move in. And we moved into that house. And so now we're moving into a rental property, mm-hmm. right? So now income's getting less, whatever that eight or $900 oh, yeah, yeah. coming in. Now yeah. it really is cut in half, yeah. right? Now and it so is. It's it's getting real, but now we had this thing where we said multi-family property, and this is this is the next phase where all right. So we made a commitment. We're like we're doing whatever it takes. I don't know how this works. By the way, my credit was not that good at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm talking probably five uh, hundreds something. You know, just holding sure. that much debt, debt to income. Yeah, if you think about that, lot. it's it's those credit cards, those zero interest that have yeah. got a little hand, and up oh, there it goes. Yeah, we had my 100%. income, and then they saw my debt, and bam. ta-da, no more. So that's where I find myself, and I'm at this stage 
where we made a commitment and we got to do something. We're going to do something drastic. Back up. So you get this realization over New Year's yeah. and then, but you're still at the nine to five. You're still at oh, Cubicle totally. of Doom, right? Yep. Oh, okay. big time. Okay. Big time. Okay. Yep. So you have to go back there mm-hmm. and then, but you have this grandiose idea. Yes. Yes. How do you we get had from- a second to think and yeah. now we're going back. Holidays are over, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so now what? You go to Cubicle right. of Doom. Cubicle of Doom, and again, you find yourself, I had no time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as farther it was from New Year's, the farther I found myself like, oh, we were just being, it was, uh, it, was, it, was it was the dude, one. I'm cheered for you. I'm over here cheering for you. doesn't it? Yes, I'm cheered for you. Like, you got to get out of the time suck over there. Yeah. I, it's, I mean, really, and that's the thing. You feel you're in this time vortex. And I, I, I said the only time I have to attempt somehow magically to get these get a multifamily property um and by the way i didn't have like money to put as a down payment or anything like that i i basically think i had eight or nine grand that i somehow had scratched everything i ever had i probably sold a car or this type of thing that's it mm-hmm. yeah you had you had an idea right yeah a i had an idea that's yeah it that's, was an idea so basically i had an hour lunch break and I had this completely unrealistic goal that I was going to call 150 listings, real estate <laughs> listings in an hour. If you think about it, it mathematically does not make sense. Right, totally. No, it doesn't even compute. But I, what I love about this is that you were supposed to make 88 calls on your regular job, but you <laughs> wanted to double that yeah. for who? You, right? Yeah. Yep. It was for you finally. That's and like, I actually have never put that together. That's... <laughs> Ta-da. Um, but it's for you now. And so this double like unrealistic goal now seems like I can get this done for me and Denise, yeah. and my new unborn child. Yes. Powerful. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Love it. So we find ourselves here and I start making calls and you, you, you guess what happens. I'm laughed off the call almost every phone call. I start asking, I get questions like, well, yeah, no, we have a 30 unit apartment for sale or a 38 unit apartment for apartment building for sale. Um, send over your proof of funds and then we'll send you more information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, um, that's an objection to try yeah. to handle, <laughs> you know? And so then I kept calling, <laughs> you know, and there was the, the thing that was somewhat exciting was there was a couple brokers, there was a couple realtors and there was a couple for sale by owners that for whatever reason, I had probably compassion, did send me over their financials. And so mm-hmm. I had a couple 30-unit apartment buildings or thereabouts that sent over um, financials, that, you know, profit loss statements, uh, different things that said, okay, this is how much. The-. So over this course of time, which is going on for a little while now, this wasn't like immediately, I was becoming familiar with yeah. what a 30-unit 30-unit passive income real estate property looked like income wise. Yeah. Yes. You were yeah. like getting an education totally yeah. for free. And give the listener an idea of like how much money was the purchase price on some of these that Great. you're looking yeah. at. Like what's yeah, the ballpark? Start, starting just 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 like there was nothing under like eight hundred thousand. And okay. I was looking at some really crummy stuff, right? I'm I'm trying to look at I'm like, well, maybe it's not so hood, you know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm like, ah, you know, Detroit, what? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, but, so I know I'm looking, I was actually looking really only in Florida, um, which is something I learned about later and I'll go into, but basically I'm looking and I'm looking, it started 800,000, couple million. And, you know, these are numbers I can't even compute at this point. I'm, right. looking, yeah. I'm like, this is crazy, but let's just, I got to keep it. And the longer I kept getting rejected, rejected, 
I, I felt farther from that original idea. Sure. I really did. Like, was this real? Here I am. I'm, I'm making the sales calls doing this. And this yeah. is, then I, I'm calling and where I had a shift and I started getting some positive results was I found a seller who was desperate to sell. Um, they were absentee uh, landlord. Uh, they were out of the state already, so they mm-hmm. were not in Florida. Um, and uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, their management just changed. Like their manager quit. Something had just transpired that added urgency. And I found, I think it was on Craigslist, I found wow. some ad uh, for a 30 unit, but here's the catch mobile home park. Hmm. So I don't know about you guys, but in American <laughs> culture, that's not the hottest totally, yeah. property to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're looking at apartment complexes in Detroit, you're kind of yeah. like, well, where else are we going to go here? You know, I guess, you know, you know, you start. But it, is, it is true. I mean, I think there is that stigma, stigma, unfortunately, you know, and now that, you know, Phillips family obviously owns a mobile home park and it's, that's right. And you get, around it and it's like whoa not only are these human beings and real people yeah but it's real money yeah true true and that's what i found out at that point i asked for uh what little paperwork they had to prove their financials which ended up by the way being a lot more like bank statements versus profit and loss statements where these fancy apartment complexes had profit and loss yeah i was getting raw bank statements and denise and i were sitting at a kitchen table piecing this together at night trying to figure out heads from tails and then we would drive by the property, and it was a 30-unit mobile home park. It had room for expansion, but it was 30 units that were, you know, on location. 30 trailers. Yeah, 30 trailers. And I was like, oh, gross. You know, I think pimps, prostitutes, drug dealers. I mean, this, you're, you're thinking the place is going to be raided every day with, you know, this is my thought process. Sure. But when I put the apartment complex and I put the uh, trailer park or mobile home park side by side, it was bringing in more money. And this was in the absentee owner condition. Yeah. Wow. Less wow. overhead. Uh, a lot mm. of other factors I can go into, but I sure. very quickly took a second look and didn't pass over it. And I, I actually, it was kind of funny because I, I don't know if the guy wasn't getting a lot of hits or what was going on. I actually kind of blew the seller off a little bit. Like I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm still looking into that, but not so interested. And, um, and so what ended up happening is I kept driving by it, driving by it, driving by it. And I, you know, I, I, it, it, I remember Denise and I actually went fairly late at night, which is not a very good idea. With <laughs> you want to hit that thing fresh in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> you want early, don't go like eight, nine, 10, you know, okay. Yeah. You're throwing that out there. And when we go there late at night, we're like, okay, there's something to this. You know, we can figure this out. And so I said, all right, now let's get to the stage of where we're at. So I just started, I mean, I'm black and white. I've got nothing to prove at this point. I'm telling the guy, I'm like, Hey, what can we do with $10,000? What can we do $10,000 and not even 10, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything trying to, uh, um, put some down. And he was just like, Oh wow. You know, he was, now he's backpedaling yeah. and uh, you know, I was using, I was doing sales. So I'm using my sales bill. I said, you know, I said, Hey, listen, we got a rental business. You know, I'm not telling about my day job, I'm not talking anything like that. And in full, wow. full like disclosure, Caleb, you and I met in a conference who would kind of teach us how to do different things in different deals. And True. Different, non-traditional so, financing. Non-traditional financing. And so this stuff probably didn't scare you as much, but now it's real life. Like now everything oh, that we've learned is now yeah, like- seminar to the streets. Yep. <laughs> you know? And, the, and there was, it was interesting because the thing that was a disconnect is the 
rejection you get, mm-hmm. right? So there was truths in a lot of these workshops and seminars yes. we were at, but they they make it sound like it's easier to get these things financed. It's easier. There's Good a point. lot of things, but you're right. My synapses gaps were opened up to the possibility that there must be something out of outside the possibility of walking into Wells Fargo, uh-huh. um, <laughs> walking into Bank I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah. Say, listen, my debt's up here. I've got this, but finance me. Right. Sure. So, so the, um, the property, by the way, was in the 800,000 range. Okay. So on the lower end of your range with the stuff you're yeah, looking at. It was. And so that was somewhat attractive as well because the debt service was not nearly as high as some of these apartment complexes. And by the way, there was no way I was getting these apartment complexes. Like the right. way we were talking, they were turning me down. These were traditional brokers. Nothing was happening. And, but at the same time, it was kind of awesome because it went side by side. Mobile home parks making more. I start going into it and I'm trying to figure it out. And out of sheer desperation, I start looking for private lenders. And, and my, my concept there was, I think I had that American, um, almost the, uh, the, the version of something you'd see in a movie surrounding the tech bubble or something where Steve Jobs sitting in his garage and some guy shows up with $100,000 and offers it to him right then, right? See, I'm looking for that angel investor sure. that stacks cash. Found out very quickly they didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> At least well, that. they weren't in my circle of uh, uh, influence. And I had no relative that would loan me money. I had no parent, uncle, aunt, uh, nothing of that nature that I could draw on to get financing. Mm. So I found myself in a position where I was looking, how can I get this purchase? I've got a seller who wants to sell. I'm the buyer. How do we make this happen? And so I started looking and I found pretty much the only remote rare possibility was very high interest shark lenders who essentially would put a lien against the property and use that collateral instead of looking at my poor financial setup Mm. Uh, because they had something to take when I went belly up. In fact, it almost seemed as if they were planning on me. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Dude, plan B was plan A for them. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, so, so I put a second mortgage on my house. Uh, the house I was living in, remember it was a rental property. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. wow. Second mortgage on my house. And that's how I financed um, the actual acquisition. And all of a sudden I have this 30 unit mobile home park. Wow. Now what? <laughs> Yeah. 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 (laughs) So I find myself doing every single role. And by the way, I kept my day job at this point because I had this, not only did I just have all this debt service, I have a newborn child. I've got a, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot at play here. And so I am doing every role, which really essentially turned into me being gone on weekends. So I'm working all during the day, sometimes late at night after work, I drive up to the park. And this park isn't across the street, right? It's not, it was actually about three and a half hours from my house. Wow. wow. Um, so, you know, you think about that. So you're doing yeah. six hours both ways. I really didn't have the budget to stay in a hotel, yeah. <laughs> not even a budget hotel. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I would be doing that trek. But when I did that trek, you know, so for the first time ever, I was forced to learn property management in, in a way that was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm cleaning out units, I'm showing units. I'm figuring out repairs or getting someone to do a repair in budget, not just opening up, you know, the yeah. book and calling the first guy. 
I did that initially. You'd get these massive quotes to redo the plumbing here. And I was like, oh, no, we're not even bringing that in a month, you know? Yeah. When <laughs> yeah. you have shark lenders as your investments, your investors, you got to think differently. And, and that's the whole thing, right? So the, the income, there was income coming in immediately, which felt cool, by the way. Like I had never quite had where you saw income coming in. It all went back out because I'm paying right. a shark lender. I'm paying the debt. Totally. But you got that but taste. <laughs> I got that taste. I saw real people writing real checks, paying for rent. And at that point, I realized, I said, wow, there is something to that. Basic needs are the real thing, like food, water, shelter. If you're mm -hmm. in one of those big three, there's always a need. And mm -hmm. so I was, so at that point, I do everything. I learned, I did everything wrong. And then later learned I could do everything right. But I had the property for eight months. Mm. And during, during that course of eight months, I tripled the existing rent roll. Wow. And it, it didn't happen right away. It actually more happened toward the tail end of that eight sure. period. And so we tripled the rent roll. And even though that sounds great, it still wasn't enough for me to financially be able to line it out of my day job. Sure. Yeah. Cause, cause you know, I'm carrying this, I'm doing that. It was, it was a little bit, you know, we got a little slither of something coming in and that hit me to my next step where I was going to try something a little bit different. And I said, just out of curiosity, I don't even know if there's people that buy mobile home parks other than me. I was the one <laughs> guy that, you know, I mean, got suckered into it. You got suckered into it. But cause I mean, it's a lot of hassles when you have 30 units calling in, yeah. Like, and, oh, and by the way, they had my cell phone number. It's not like yeah. I had some fancy. You're, you're the guy. They're calling. Yeah. It's me, right? <laughs> and, the, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, all of that. And it was sure. always being able to deal with that was something that I really got taught through this time period, too. Because I get, you know, I was taken advantage of. I was people, you know, I, I, I found out that everybody dies between the last week of the month and the first of the month. <laughs> ah, crazy. <laughs> yeah, amazing. It happens every yeah. month, though. So um, same people. Um, so anyway, <laughs> so you find all these little tidbits out. And I listed the property for sale because I said, hey, we did some real value here. I wonder if there's a buyer out there. Mm. And I got all the other guys calling that went to the same seminars <laughs> I did. <laughs> and I knew they were in the same setup I was. Yeah, And uh, it, it, there really wasn't any deal to be had. And so I'm s sitting there and I was just about to take those ads down. I was actually, it was a Saturday morning. I'm in the parks. I'm driving through the parks, uh, the park, um, going through units. I think I was, had some showings showing up and someone called me and it was a cash fire. And I actually almost laughed him off the phone. I almost said, yeah, right. Sure, buddy. Um, I, I've heard this already, I know, and you're just flipping a contract or you're, you know, there's some catch here. And he inquired and he didn't quite like my asking price and he was getting off the phone. But what I did was um, I sent him some more information and really that day I had an offer sitting in front of wow. me. Wow. And what was that offer compared yeah. to how many times you bought, paid for it? Yeah. So the offer I got, it was well, well over six figures. Wow. over what I had purchased it for. For eight um, months, mind you. Yeah. yeah. And so, so uh, and, a large, and a large bit about that was verifying whether I was telling the truth about my rent roll. Mm -hmm. Great thing is, my wife, prior to getting married to me, uh, did seven years of public accounting. There you so go. So books were clean. There may have not been a lot in the books, but they were very clean. They were clean. <laughs> Squeaky clean. <laughs> right? Clean. 
And so that was very easy to represent that. And within about 13 days, um, it was somewhere in that, somewhere in that range, uh, the property sold. Wow. Wow. That is, that is such I got to ask story. a Philip question here Uh-oh. because yeah. we're going off script. You just went through a ton. You're working two jobs, three yeah. and a half hours away. You have a newborn child. Yep. We need to talk about your wife for a second. Cause like, what was that like to have her? She obviously was supportive of this. Right path right. which is you know like most women probably wouldn't be uh walk well, us through that it's, it's interesting because we actually didn't see each other that often if you put together the chronological sure. amount of things i was doing and we did but it was oh hey it's eight o'clock at night how's it going or oh it's six o'clock in the morning i'm heading off to work because you have two kids work. right oh, come yeah. on yeah yeah, you can yeah. see her a little bit. Exactly. Oh, like, hey, must have at some point. Come on, buddy. Mess up. You gotta no, make it in there. <laughs> but basically, you know, and, and really what it was is the more I was into it and the more I had put on my plate, I had this desire to own time. It wasn't even really about the money. I just had this almost dream in my head to have some utopia mm. where time was possible. Mm-hmm. And and so I had stacked the odds, right? I mean, we're it, it, we're either going down or we're, it's going to happen. And at this point, so this happens, the property sells. I remember that wire hitting my very very dry bank account, <laughs> and 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 like sitting there hitting refresh, refresh, <laughs> and all of a sudden, yeah. <laughs> I had six figures for the first time really in my adult life. Yeah. And I was looking at it and I said. Oh wow! Pause. I can breathe. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I quit on my day job. Yeah. <laughs> like now, cubicle of doom. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, you have like a good Jerry Maguire moment. I carried the fishbowl. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, they're, I mean, and all the groundhogs. Thank God it's not on video, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all the groundhogs stood up and watched you walk out. There was, and then so so here I am. This great thing happens, you know, I'm trying to not tell too many people because I'm waiting for all the family members to hit me up with loans or <laughs> yeah. you know, something. Yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, this is awesome. Day, a couple days pass, kind of thinking what's next. And I got hit in the gut so hard. And this is what I got hit in the gut with. Mm-hmm. I basically get hit in the gut with the fact that, oh man, all those years, all those shadows, I had a pay down fest, which was kind of cool. Yeah, um, I yeah, don't know if you, yeah, that, that's like one of the most fun things to do. Okay. Thousand credit cards. And so I had a pay down fest, but at that point you get hit in the gut saying, I cannot go back now. Mm-hmm. I cannot go back. The shadows haunt me. Like I literally cannot go back. Huh. And so here I am at a point where I said, we have really done something. We've made mileage. We've made some ground. And I mean, it scared me so bad that we moved on to the next step, which was kind of an all out. Um, I said, we got to find another one of these. We've done it. We can do it again. Sure. It was a lot of hassles. It was kind of cool for a couple of days to not have those tenants calling in, you know, sure. all of a sudden it's like, wow, just transferred the number and uh, there you <laughs> go. And, and I don't have to deal with the hassles, but now I said, oh man, we got to do this again because this has worked. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, in a big way, this is the only thing that has. 
right? Huh. Like this isn't just getting a bonus at work. This was life altering. Sure. And, and I could see myself being the happy lotto winner who's right back at it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, four Where'd that go? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I was like, no, no, no so, option here. Kale, I think you're unique because we have lots of clients that own real estate. I think, you know, I was a lot of people around the country world own real estate, but where was the genesis for the idea to kind of put a brand around or a name around what you were doing? Because right. I think that makes you really uncommon, uh, not to be cliche with the podcast name at all. Sure. But just, I think it's really important distinction about, you know, your path forward. Yeah, no. So at that point, what I, I started doing is in a very short window of time, I had bought my next mobile home park and I had a little capital. I didn't have to borrow as much. So it was making more money. And I realized that my, the entire, and this is why I refer to myself as an economy of scale advocate. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I realize that the more units I had, things like repair costs, things like utility bills, things like landscaping at the property became cheaper because I could use the same manager to go over to the next property. I could use the same manager to go to the third property if it was in the same vicinity. And with more units, remember I had started off with the four or five units. Mm -hmm. Those units were working well. There just wasn't enough to even (laughs) be an income. And so at that stage, I said, I want it to be known what my direction is and where my path will lead. Mm. And I, I said, I have to do it publicly because when I, I got to marry an idea, I mean, that's what we had done in the past, right? That's where I got the 30 units. Mm-hmm. And now instead of us having a goal where we're going to somehow magically get a multifamily property, I'm going to take that same commitment level and say, I will have 500 doors of passive income real estate. Because if I'm married to that idea, I say, we're committed to doing this. Um, and I do it in a public way where people know about it. Guess what happens? Mm-hmm. People More start saying, so yeah, yeah. Where, where you at? Where you at with that goal, by the way? <laughs> yeah. So it keeps you, it keeps you accountable, but it also allows people to buy in to where you're going and yes. help you which is something that I think people, people love to help people. Yeah, for sure. And so when they know where you're going and you're clear about where you're going, they'll definitely help you. Did you it's find true. that? Did you find that in your? I, I did. Career? It's, I, 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 it's, it's actually more true than you know, because I actually started getting people, they were becoming familiar with the 500 doors slogan, kind of the brand, the social media hashtag that I had put out there. They started becoming familiar with it and I'd have complete, strangers, people I did not know that knew somebody that somebody that somebody that knew me reaching out to me. And at one point I got a five unit apartment complex um, because someone had tracked this 500 doors brand. Wow. um, And they were backed up on taxes. They did not know where to turn. It was an inherited property. So it was a property by which you know they 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 didn't know what to do with it basically. And it was about to be sold at a tax sale. And they said, we have seen your 500 doors thing on social media. I just wanted to reach out to you. Is there anything you can do? And I got a ridiculously amazing deal on a five-unit apartment complex because essentially they saw my brand. Wow. Um, so it took on a monetization of form. Sure, sure. Um, and and then, then there was also just the, the mere fact that Everybody always asks me, hey, how many doors are you up to? And, <laughs> and so and it made it where I'm not going back. I'm not yeah, going yeah. back. And, and I'll tell you this, quite honestly, it, 
even more than just it being something where, okay, this is my goal. Yeah. I wanted this to be something where I said, you know, this is, this is my mantra. I see freedom on the other side of 500 doors. And what I mean by that is I had done the math at some point. We got to 30 units. That worked. I started getting more units. And I said, if we get to 500 doors, this is a different level. Where we're reaching something where we can be operating with deals at a very different level because at that point, you just do the math. I don't even care if they're rented below market value. There's a certain amount of scale that's happening that we can take back our life and own time. And that and that and that is really uh, what was the motivation there. How do you how do you feel like you use debt now? versus hmm. how you used to use debt or how you say it, debt used you. Yeah. So debt used me and it used me really bad. And so because, you know, truth be told, I didn't even look at the credit card agreements most of the time when I would sign on the dotted line. I don't sure. think most people do. No. You know, they make it so mm-hmm. easy nowadays, click to agree um, or a loan or whatever else, everything. And I truthfully believe this. I... I, a lot of times going back and reading through those documents, even if you're not doing anything with it, whether it's a mortgage, whether it's mm-hmm. a credit card statement, is such an education in and of itself mm-hmm. because you'll hear all these fancy terms like due on sale clause. You'll hear uh, uh, adjustable rate mortgage. Um, you'll hear all these things, which by the way, were a major factor in the 2008 financial crisis mm-hmm. that... Uh, essentially, you, you may not know the answer, but you start looking it up on the internet, you start getting books out at, uh, you know, a library, and you start saying, wait, what, what does this mean? And you start piecing it together. Mm-hmm. And so what, where, where I found myself is, I said, I wasn't in a position originally, credit profile way, FICO score, to <laughs> ever use it. So yeah. I yeah. had to look outside of it which made me find this whole other world of asset-based lending. Mm -hmm. And so so what happened was I was opened up to the idea of looking at debt in such a way that I realized that I may be living at a home and in a home, and a home can be an asset later if I resell it. But unless that home is generating income for me, that home is – I mean, for lack of a better word, liability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I look at my residence and I look at that as a liability. It's yeah. a really nice liability, but it, it, you know, that's, that's the way I view it. Now there's other things that go into that, but making that distinction that appreciation does not mean it's always good. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Made me think differently. How does that confidence when you walk into a bank now yep. looking at asset based lending, what is the confidence that you now have in the bank when you ask them for a loan? How does that yeah. fit? So it's really interesting. When I talk to lenders and I, I talk to all different types of lenders, I talk to lenders in traditional banks, institutional banks, but quite largely I, I talk to um, hedge funds and pools of money where they are really talking to you to test your financial intelligence. Mm. And so oftentimes what has happened is in the past, they would start with, hey, well, so what's your FICO score? Let's see if we can even carry on this conversation mm-hmm. farther. Yeah. And um, I realized very quickly that FICO scores were for employees. 
Um, and and I, I found myself where I wasn't in that category anymore. Um, but the you know the the FICO score was really a way the lending institution could damage you if you. Uh, didn't do what you said, and that would be the last time you'd ever be able to buy an asset. You'd be a, you'd be leasing cars and renting uh, apartments for the rest of your life because, sure. and probably not very nice apartments because they would damage your credibility. That's yeah. what the FICO score did. The what the difference and the distinction was when it comes down to serious commercial real estate of any kind where you're doing any sizable transaction. The banks are not looking about damaging your reputation. They're looking at what they can take away from you. And when you realize that and you build your financial statement that you present to them, which is really kind of the uh, pass just to get a conversation going. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, fill out a financial statement. Let's get somewhere. And they're testing to see how, you know, yeah. right down to even if you fill it out sloppy um, can mean a whole lot. Um, if you're, you're scribbling it on here and wow. you don't add up the liabilities and the assets and you don't balance that out correctly and the total is inaccurate and right there you'll be disqualified. But my whole thing was learning how to talk by just being rejected, learning how to talk to lenders correctly about the fact that, no, 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 we're not talking about my credit score here. I said that that has nothing to do with this. I, I've got a paid off Lamborghini. I've got 1500 units. Here's my schedule of real estate owned. Um, take a look at it, put together what my net worth is and let's play musical chairs and figure out how we can finance this thing. And that is what that distinction right there. When I realized that the big banks, you know, you, you get a developer in New York city or Chicago or someplace like that, right? Uh -huh. They want to build a skyscraper skyscraper that's almost a billion dollars in value. How can one person ever qualify to finance almost a billion dollars in value? Sure. I'll tell you, they very much can't do it with their FICO score, so there must be another way. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great point. I, I don't think, you know, a lot of people appreciate that, you know? And I think mm -hmm. even a lot of our clients that have real estate and they have assets, they don't appreciate the scale with which they could operate. Good point. Yes. You know, it's this kind of limited. I think they actually, to follow up on that point, I don't even think they realize what they have sometimes. Yes. Exactly. Yes. I'm not even saying that they have an enormous amount. You know, obviously now I'm at a stage where I have a portfolio of properties, but even a couple properties represented correctly on your financial statement actually realizing what's an asset, realizing what's a liability and putting that on there correctly and getting past the whole approval process, which is really a class system that has yeah. been created for a solo income person. Mm. Um, that That's the biggest enlightenment. A solo, thing a solo income person with no assets. Yep. Yeah. Because they've got nothing. That's, I mean, that that's fundamentally the whole thing because they assume the employee has no assets. They have to base it on their reputation. And mm -hmm. essentially the FICO score is to ruin their reputation so that they will never be able to pay and play. Sure. Wow. Well, so go ahead. We've got to wrap this up pretty soon here. But, but. So in regards to kind of, we, we've sent you our piece on seven sources of residual income. Yeah. Real estate isn't your only asset. And so you, can you kind of talk to the listener about, just the different channels that uh, yeah. you know, you're generating passive income now and kind of where your passion is looking forward? 
I would love to. So I operate on a couple different levels. Uh, number one, I own the real estate. But number two, I manage all my own real estate. And that's very important to me because that in, a, in and of itself becomes, that's a separate entity, right? So I'm managing my own properties, but it really is a separate company that operates the properties to keep Good, better sure. bottom line, to keep Good. better profits. That's very important. The other thing too is I, I am doing more and more to take my real estate brand not because I want to create a seminar. In fact, I never really would like to share the secrets in a broad way beyond what, you know, what I blood, sweat, tears. Now let me bundle that up and give it to you in a little packet. I would hate to do that. But, yeah. the, but really for the reason that when, when uh, you know, I had a $30 million deal that I was dealing with recently, um, that deal I ended up rejecting because it, the numbers didn't add up, but because they looked me up that was the credibility because they found my real estate brand was a way of putting a subject matter on my everyday dealings, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how I really utilize that. The sure. other thing is too is in America, you know, at the 2008 financial crisis, there was 55 million Americans that could not qualify for a bank loan. That number is drastically, drastically higher now. Mm -hmm. And so what we do so often is provide now on the other side of things we've almost flipped and become those lenders in a way where we will provide alternate forms of financing for someone to own their own home for someone to to um you know be able to uh yeah have a piece of the americana last part is um is the fact that then i take those securities those actual uh you know those Notes. mortgages that we've created yeah and those in and of themselves become an additional stream of income wow. so you know it it can be part of the same subject real estate yep. but there's there there can be a lot of streams that are divided that actually become different businesses and independently stand as pillars on their own wow, wow. It's a great point. So if you guys want to hear more about Caleb Walsh, you can look him up at his Facebook page, which is Caleb Walsh official. And if he, his Twitter handle is uh, Caleb Walsh, that's C-A-L-E-B-W-A-L-S-H. Caleb, it was a joy to talk to you. Thank you so much yes. for the, the way that you're uncommon for how you help people. And I just want to, I think the audio might've cut out you do drive a Lamborghini paid off. Is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> I, love that. I love that. I didn't just lease it. <laughs> yeah. So if you have any questions for Caleb or us, please feel free to reach out. Like us, subscribe to this channel, yeah. and give us a good rating so we can get out to more people and we can help people have this uncommon path. This is Philip Ramsey. And this is Brian Dewhurst. And you've been listening to Uncommon Life Projects. Thanks a bunch and we'll, we'll be throwing out some more content. Thanks guys. Thanks everybody. Bye. Thanks guys. That's all for this episode of the Uncommon Life Project, brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.